Welcome to Live, Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship, a podcast that showcases the talents, skills, and abilities of UT faculty, staff, and students. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in Housing and Dining, and we're excited to have you listening to us. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Live Leadership, Innovation, Ventures, and Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Jones, Associate Director for Student Learning and Development in University Housing and Dining at the University of Texas at Austin. And today, we have a very, very, very special guest uh, with us today. Uh, her name is Suseth Munoz. She's an English government youth and community studies major. And we're so excited to have her here with us because let me tell you a little bit about Suseth. Suseth is a rock star on campus. She's a student uh, member of the First Gen Longhorns. She's the diversity coordinator of the Senate of College Councils, uh, equity and inclusion policy director for student government. She's a community advocate. She's on the Jolt Action Committee. And she's also an RA in Jester West. Shout out to all the RAs out there. What's up? What's up? So without further ado, I want to welcome you, Suseth, to the show. How are you doing today, Suseth? Hi, Dr. Jones. I'm doing good today. Thank you for that introduction. Wonderful. No, those, those are your accolades. They out there for the world to see, like no lie. We'll probably put that in the show notes so that people can see I'm not making this up and trying to just gas you up or anything like that. Like this is real. Suseth is active and busy uh, and is out there. And that's one of the reasons why um, I wanted uh, Suseth on the show today. So um, let me, I want to read a quick statement that's on the uh, diversity and community engagement website uh, that, gives a brief description about some of the things Suseth has been up to lately. So this past July, uh, interim president Jay Hartzell released a statement detailing a plan to make the campus more diverse and inclusive in response to lists of demands made by the Texas Student Athlete Advisory Committee and a coalition of students, faculty, staff, and alumni, including members of the precursors who drafted the eight demands for transformative change. Suseth Munoz, is one of several student members of the Senate of College Councils who helped draft the list of demands, which called for a number of actions to make the campus more supportive of Black and Indigenous students of color. And although some demands were unmet, Suseth believes the university is moving in the right direction and that in time, more change will come. And I want to give Suseth a chance to kind of talk about her experience doing that. But before we do, Suseth, Suseth can you kind of tell people uh, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your major, uh, what year you are, because I forgot to put that in the introduction, but also where you're from? Yeah, um, so I'm currently a junior. Um, so all those three majors that were listed, English, government, and youth and community studies, um, they're like, political science and education. Um, and they're all like my passion projects throughout the year. I have added them as I have been um, going on, have been here at UT. And a lot of them like kind of spread out after I became an OA, so an orientation advisor. Um, and I'm orig originally from the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, the Rio Grande Valley is like south of the border. Um, it's the real border. It's very down south, farther than San Antonio, um, for people that don't know. Um, and yeah, I immigrated here when I was like six years old. Um, so I am originally from Mexico, but the Rio Grande Valley became my home as I grew up. 
and I hold it very close to home. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us today. So um, you're also an RA. Why don't you, since, we, since we're in the back to school season and students just moved back into the halls, uh, tell us a little bit about what it's been like to serve as an RA. How long have you been an RA and what attracted you to that role? Yeah, um, I became an RA my sophomore year. So usually they intake people after their freshman year. Um, I was lucky enough to get that first offer. Um, but yeah, I became an RA just because like, um, originally, like I'm a low income student and like the RA job like has a lot of perks when it comes to those type of things. And I know like people say like, oh, I want to make a change and like be a change for these students. But like, the truth of the matter was when I applied, I was really worried about like, what am I going to do next year? Like, am I going to be able to come back to UT? Um, so I applied. So when I got the, like the job, I like cry because it was like a huge relief. Wow. Obviously now I do it for a very different reason. I actually like really love the job and I really love the role. Um, my residence, my first year kind of like changed my outlook on a lot of things and like, yeah, I literally, I messaged them yesterday, like two days ago saying like, oh, I'm archiving this group me, y'all, like, um, like just like a goodbye. And they were like, no, don't do it. Uh, we'll miss you, blah, blah, blah. Like we missed J2. We had a good life. Um, so yeah, I do it for very different reasons now, but that's the truth. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. So let's talk a little bit about some of the work that you did uh, this past summer as one of the um, as one of the students, uh, one of the student members of the Senate of College Councils that uh, helped craft that list of demands for uh, President Hartzell. Why don't you kind of tell us like how you got involved with the um, Senate of College Councils, but then also what led to um, your involvement with crafting the list of demands for the president? Yeah, so I joined the Senate of College Councils uh, my sophomore year. I joined because of my friend who was also an orientation advisor. He was like, you should really join. Like, you're going to love this org. It's right for you. And um, hold and behold, it was for me. Um, and I stayed there. But, like, recognizing that those spaces, like, mm -hmm. legislative student organizations are very elitist places and places that um, people just join to put onto their resumes, right? Um, it's also something that I have had to navigate and be like, listen, we're here to make like real change. And like, we're here to actually represent like the marginalized and like underrepresented communities on campus. Sure. Um, and that's like why I became a diversity coordinator, which is like, the role of kind of changing the status quo and like the environment inside of Senate. Sure. Um, so as I step into that role, everything kind of changed in March, right? Um, once the once the death of like, so I'll start like first um, as an equity and inclusion policy um, director in student government, we released a statement, right? We released a statement of like, just, um, you know, condemning the acts of the police and like um, showing up for that community and showing solidarity. Um, and that was that, like it was a statement. It was like some asks to the community and it had a lot of like positive, um, positive feedback from another, from a lot of like student organizations on campus. Like they started releasing their own statements and saying like, we're gonna do this, like we're gonna donate to these organizations and like these nonprofits. 
Um, so like that's kind of what started the, I think what started um, the ball rolling at UT. Um, but then the Senate of College Council, so that's my other role. Um, we saw like the number, we started compiling all the numbers of student organizations that started like condemning this act, like acts, acts, acts. <laughs> and then um, they, and like you started seeing people actually like making demands and like making asks. And that's kind of when the Senate of College Councils and like um, a lot of like the President Advisory Committee, which is people that meet with the President uh, monthly or weekly um, and actually like tell him what's going on on campus. Um, we all decided to just like compile all these asks and all these demands that have been going on for years. Like the People for PMA movement has been going on for years. So that was one of the things that we added onto our eight demands. Can you tell the audience what the People for PMA is? Yeah, so the people for VMA were the people that were condemning the name, the previous name of Robert Lee Moore of that building. Um, and have it's an underground like student movement, which is like, it's really like cool once you learn about it because they, um, we had a conversation with them and they kind of said that they went through the archives and like they looked for like past lectures and like things that made like that just, kind of pointed out how racist this person and professor was and like they said enough is enough like the university is not going to change the name we're going to change the name ourselves so that's kind of why and like professors themselves like changed the in their syllabus like put pma instead of um robert lee moore wow. in their, in their um, syllabus sometimes right so like this had been going on for years um, so the Senate College Council was kind of just like stepped up and be, and like compile all of these asks, but we also recognizing that a lot of these movements have already been happening and like these asks have been happening for years and like months. So not co-opting that work was really something that we kind of tried to emphasize and that's why we reached out to a lot of like black organizations on campus and black leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, for them to review and like add whatever they wanted and like take out whatever they wanted and like whatever they didn't agree with. So that's kind of how the aid demands like came out from a lot of like people poking, like just looking at the Google Doc and being like, oh, we should add this. Oh, we should take out this. We should add this and this and this. And then like it, it went into that aid demands that we see today, which is like a very comprehensive list that tackles not just student life, but also academic life and like really big changes that holistically make a really big change on campus. Um, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that for the folks that are listening that aren't familiar with what's going on, you know, I, I explained earlier that uh, these, these students, this was all student led. It was a student led effort uh, to present this list of eight demands for transformative change to the president. And then there was the list of demands made by the Texas Student Athlete Advisory Committee uh, and other groups. And uh, for the most part, the president, I mean, the, and the statement is out there if people want to see it. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, I was so proud of the students, you know, for me sitting back watching it as a, a professor and a staff member here at the university, uh, I was very pleased to see that our students uh, being so active and being engaged in this work. Um, and earlier you were talking about um, the violent acts committed against, uh, you know, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, who's um, murderers who still have not been captured or brought to justice. Um, 
And then now more recently with Jacob Blake and a host of others, um, the students were speaking out and are still speaking out. So one, one challenge that, you know, I know a lot of students who I, I've had a chance to meet with over the course of the last six months, um, a lot of the challenges that are presented is that many students don't know how to speak up and they don't know how to advocate or be an ally, Suseth. So can you talk to the students that are out there right now that may be listening to this, who may be home taking their classes remotely, or maybe here on campus trying to figure out how in the world can they make their voice count uh, in this space and in this time? Yeah, um, I think that's a really real question. Like, um, because it can be like really intimidating to like, you know, say something because you might not know enough or you might not have be eloquent enough, like have the right language mm -hmm. um, or like even being those spaces where these when you're allowed to speak out and like you're allowed to question the status quo. And I think I do have to acknowledge the privilege that I have, like being in this in like the Senate College Councils, which is like very receptive to like my voice. Uh, my very radical voice um, and and I have not been shut down from those spaces but a lot of people do like experience that and you do experience that in a predominantly white university like UT right um, so what I encourage people to do is just like listen like listen to um, organizers and listen to these students that are speaking out and listen to the black voices like you mm -hmm. do not want to be centering like somebody that does not experience this like on a daily basis right mm -hmm. um, so listen to those voices and then don't also there's also like um, there's also the saying like oh just don't like listen and learn um, and that's okay that's okay too but I think that you should be listening with the intent to act, mm -hmm. um, not just like intake everything and intake like their frustrations and intake like their rage and hurt because that's just like you, I think that that's, that's a place that you can be like, oh, well, there's nothing else that I can do or like be a little com comfort is about it right um so i think like listening with the intent of like speaking out and like acting out and like and you can act out and listen in like any space like right now in your classes if you see something that like is weird or like doesn't just like feel okay speak out against it like i know a lot of these professors like yeah they have been experiencing this during the summer as well but their syllabus might be predominantly white and like you can point out those things like oh do you have like any ethnic or like lgbtqi authors or black authors on your syllabus like i think that the way that you make inclusive spaces is by questioning the status quo and questioning like why things have been for like that for a really long time mm -hmm. and that's something that obviously like it takes a little bit of courage but if you don't do it then who else is going to do it and yeah and i think like you should take in all of those lessons and all these things um that have been happening for months and acting because you had enough time to listen like at this point yeah. you have time to listen um it's time to act in your classrooms it's time to act in those spaces and question people's like actions and question why mm -hmm. things are why how they are 
Yeah, you said a couple of things there, and I want to, you know, typically, just so you know, my format is uh, as as somebody who subscribes to uh, phenomenology, which is the study of the lived experience. I always try as a practice. I try to let the uh, title of this show emerge uh, during the conversation. And so, as you were talking, when you said listening with the intent to act, I love that statement and that's probably going to be the title of the episode um because it, it's got a it, it has a very it has a very um social justice uh advocacy and allyship tone to it it's like the intent to act it's like i'm not just listening to be listening like i'm not just sitting here in this space to just go to this class and do nothing and so i really appreciated the fact that you said that uh and then gave some details on how to go about doing it but also you said something that uh, about questioning the status quo and my, and my friend uh, Darren Roberts, who's a professor uh, on campus, who also uh, was one of the um, was one of the first uh, black. Stu- I think he was the second uh, black uh, student government uh, president here at UT uh, a number of years ago, also from East Texas. So shout out to all my East Texas people. But he says something in his podcasts and in his conversations with students is that we got to declare war on the status quo. Why do you feel like it's so important to push back and question um, in this space? Because, again, you're a college student. You know, you said you migrated here as a young child. You're part of the first gen Longhorns. And so you're navigating this space with multiple aspects of identity and culture. and And you're a student. On top of everything you're doing, you are a college student. How do you make not only make time for all that but also push back uh in a way that uh means something to you because you know that that's a lot that is a lot how do you do all of that yeah um it's exhausting Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's very exhausting um because i think like i mean we have been normalized to not question things and just like go on and like go to class do a routine but isn't that part of like the status quo right um I actually have a friend who wrote (laughs) who wrote um about like how brushing your teeth is kind of like a capitalist uh, a capitalist propaganda which Mm. is like it's questionable right um but if you think about it uh what they said was like because of you're so used to all these routines it's like allows you to not question why things are how they are Mm -hmm. um and even though I was like that was that was so funny to me um it's very true because I think you can get lost in um in everything that's going on and I think that's what can happen and that's I mean if you listen to other people like to other black um black individuals they can say like yeah like every time um a black person dies like they can become a little bit numb to it and and that's very valid that's extremely valid because that's their everyday lived experience but why as a Mexican like woman like why like I can't if they're going to be numb about it like that's okay because that's their identity and like they have to live through that but I don't and I have the privilege of like doing all these things and like acting and like questioning things because of my own privileges, right? Mm -hmm. Like I probably won't be shut down in a conversation. Um, And I think like just questioning the status quo and like 
fighting against it is very important, even if you are shut down and it becomes a little exhausting. Um, but I think it's important for people to start, start knowing that things are not going to go back to normal. Nobody wants things to go back to normal. Like you are being exposed to the inequities and social injustices in the world. Mm -hmm. And that was not okay. And that was not normal. And just because you didn't have like, you, you weren't aware of these things. Like you think you can go back to not being aware. Like, no, that's, that's not how it works. Right. Right. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, Dr. Tyus, uh, who, who oversees all of uh, housing and dining always tells us we can't go back. She, she says it all the time. She's like, we, we, when we come out of this, there is no uh, going back to um, the way things were. We're going to come out of this uh, differently. And so the question uh, you, you said something else a second ago um, that, that just sparked a lot of questions. I, I've got, I'm, I'm just, keep, I just keep writing questions down as you, as you're talking. Um, what are some of the experiences that you feel like you took advantage of as a freshman that, or, or, or at any point in your educational journey, what are some of the experiences that you feel like you took advantage of that helped you develop your advocacy and ally voice or your, your advocate and ally voice? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's start there. Um, yeah, so as a freshman, I obviously like, <laughs> I had to validate a lot of like different things like imposter sure. syndrome, like my first language is not English. So like I had to be like get used to speaking English all the time and like being in the spaces where I like had to lower my hand because I didn't think I was smart enough. And like at one point I wanted to move back to back home because I think like I thought I wasn't smart enough. And I think that's something that a lot of like students face here at UT. Sure. Um, well, hold on. Before you, before you dive deeper, talk more about that because I think that's important. We just started the semester two days ago and students are coming from everywhere. Some students are remote. Some students are on campus. Some students are living off campus, but people are taking classes at this university. Somebody is struggling with that exact same thing. I want you to go back and dig into that imposter syndrome piece. Talk about where you feel like that came from and what that and, and how you overcame that. I don't want to miss that. We'll get back to the question I asked you earlier, but I don't want to I don't want to miss that because I think that's an important detail. Yeah. Um well I think I felt imposter syndrome, which for folks that don't know imposter syndrome is basically thinking that you don't deserve the chances that you're getting. Mm -hmm. Um so I think I felt that way because, like I said, I um, come from a low-income background. Like, I did not have the same resources that a lot of these people had. Um, whenever, like, somebody spoke in class, like, they had a lot of, like, eloquent and, like, high uh, pretentious language. And um, just to ask a question, I was like, oh, like, that was so smart. Like, oh, my gosh, I will never be to that level um and also I'm a first gen student like I had to figure out like what post-secondary education looks like and like how to ask for major how to like approach a professor how to like do all these things and it was really difficult mm -hmm. um and on top of that like I didn't like I didn't have any friends coming here to UT with me so um I had to like start afresh and start new um 
so all of these like little things like filled up and like one day oh and and one day I got like a not a grade that I was expecting um and I cried and like I called my dad and I like I thought that they would be disappointed in me but um that phone call really like changed my perspective like he said um you're there to learn and like you're there to learn from your mistakes and when you fall you have to pick yourself back up and I think like I needed to hear that because it made it seem like I was there for me um not just to like not just to be the representation of my family um so all the things that I'm doing are for myself as much as I I do want to make my family proud wow um and that was like a really hard realization because I think all first just students or most of them like have this heavy burden of being like I have to be the very best for my family but that's not true like you're there for yourself too and you're there to change your mind and you're there to fall Mm -hmm. and that's okay no I Suseth you're dropping some major uh, you're dropping some major gems uh this morning you know when we talk about that imposter syndrome you said you, I love the way you defined it as you don't you felt like you didn't deserve the chances that you're getting and it, isn't it strange that at a school uh like UT where you know you got the top six percent admission which means we're you're admitting some great students some very smart individuals all of you every last student who's admitted to this university are all intelligent and yet a lot of a lot of students come here and feel like whoa i don't belong and it's like you were in the top percent of your class like what do you mean you don't belong like ut wouldn't have admitted you if you didn't yet when you think about the other variables right the other things that we experience, you know, you said you were, you had to, you know, English is not your first language. You're the first person in your family to go to college, uh, come from a low socioeconomic background. On top of all of that, uh, you got a whole host of other identities at work and culture uh, at play there. And you're trying to navigate a place with 53,000 students uh, in Austin, Texas, in this large, gigantic city, that's a lot. And so I always try to remind students of the different things that you all have worked uh, to overcome to not only be at UT, but to thrive at UT. And I just really want to applaud you and uh, other students who are out there listening to this right now who uh, have had to overcome uh, similar odds, may not be the same, but definitely similar odds. And then yet, when I look at everything that you're involved in, when I look at the student you are today, and when I look at everything you're doing, like, you're a success story, Suset. So, you know, kudos to you. Like you're you're out here doing your thing. So I'm I'm proud of you. And I'm happy that I've got to witness it uh in a, in more ways than one, especially with you being an RA and participating in other um experiences. Are there other let's go back to that question I asked you earlier? Are there other experiences um or opportunities that you took advantage of at the university that you felt like, wow, this really uh helped me? Uh, understand these things differently or uh, was there a class like Dr. Moore's class or something like that that you know that you would recommend students or workshops that students could participate in um, here at UT to help them develop their voice and get more comfortable speaking out? Yeah um, I think my fall semester or spring semester um, I joined which is I'm plugging, I'm plugging in uh, Longhorns for Culturally Competent Campus. Yeah. Um, I joined that my freshman year. I don't remember what semester, 
Um, but it was a really good experience because you get to learn about how to speak about advocate, like how to navigate different modes of communication and like how to be a good advocate and like learn about power and privilege and like you get a lot of the vocabulary um, that you need as you grow like your allyship and like um, your advocacy skills. So that was a really good experience. Um, but I think like the turning point for me was um, after my freshman year when I became an orientation advisor. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't want to do like I wasn't going to do it. Um, and then I was like, no, like because I, I felt like I was going to miss back home. And then I was like, no, I'm going to like I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I did it. And it was the best experience because um, I just got to meet a lot of like different people that were in their own little bubbles and like doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. And I also like I met with like I met a bunch of students and I became like an orientation advisor for the School of Education. And that's how I got my third major. Wait, 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 wait. You got three majors. Yeah. Well, okay. English, government, government and youth and community. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So so let so listen, y'all. I, I I gotta make sure we catch this. So she 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 talked about imposter syndrome, yet she she's majoring in English, government, youth and community studies. Y'all, that's three majors, not one major, two minors, not two minors, one major, three majors let that sink in first gen students let that sink in you can get out here and you can thrive i'm not gonna ask you your gpa i'll let you talk to the students about that privately off <laughs> off the record but because i mean you can't be an ra with a bad gpa so she's so she's clearly thriving and doing pretty good with three majors first gen migrated to this country learned english you're killing the game. I see you, Suzette. I see you. I see you. Okay. All right. Now let me let you get back to answering the question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I became an RA and, and I added my third major with um, education and that's where I really like honed into like what I wanted to do. Um, I realized that I so I want to go to law school, but I realized that other than law school, I also want to become an educator and I also want to help my community and like become an advocate and all of these things like are interconnected because you have to be educated and like you have to keep up with things and in order to really advocate and like really become um, like educate your community and like go back and like help them out. Mm -hmm. um, so I think being in a way like really kind of launch my my actual um experience here at UT because I met people and my friend was an OA and they were the ones that told me to join Senate and like okay. from there I was like oh like there's all these other amazing things that I can do um but yeah wow so I man you you're a, a rock star Susan like and, and you're a junior so we, we got at least one more year uh of having you around on campus school just started back and you know classes just started two days ago we're in a pandemic so some students are operating all over you know remotely or on campus or off campus what advice would you have for those students out there, no matter where they find themselves uh, or where, where, where they're residing, 
what advice would you offer to students who are looking to build community and engage during this time? What advice do you have for them? What suggestions or resources are out there to support them that you that you're aware of that work for students? Um, yeah, like stay connected. <laughs> There's a bunch of or like organizations um, doing virtual engagements and doing virtual um, recruiting and all their events are being done virtually because they recognize that a lot of these students might be back home. So my first, my first um, advice is to just like stay connected. Uh, find an org that you like, find an org that fuels your passion. And if you don't stay in that org after your first year, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But I think that you should really give yourself that chance to stay connected at UT Mm -hmm. um, other, because I think that while education like classes are really good, um, I think that the real experiences and like the real college experience comes from the extracurriculars and mm -hmm. like using those classes and like plugging them in into other outlets. Um, so yeah, stay connected. Um, there's a bunch of resources on campus that are very cool. Um, so your first in Longhorns, your multicultural, um, multicultural engagement center, um, DDCE, um, all of them, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Now, and thank you for sharing that uh, because one of the things we always try to do with this show is to make sure that students, faculty, and staff uh, who are listening. Uh, know how to identify resources on campus and staying connected. And I think it's important when you talked about staying connected, uh, figuring out how to get connected, you know, in a remote space at that, you know, uh, is different. But we've got things like Longhorn Connection. Um, you can find student organizations on like Horns Link, uh, the Student Activities website. Uh, I think in the show notes, I may have to put some links in here because we're going to, this is the back to school episode. And so some students are, you know, they've only, been on campus for less than a week and they're trying to find you know how to be how to be the next Suseth Munoz out here so <laughs> that's gonna be a challenge so thank you for sharing that what other what other um points would you like to make for your fellow UT students or folks that are listening to this that may not be UT students they may be parents of students somewhere else or um wherever they find themselves so that what advice do you have especially during this time um that of, of um, social un, social unrest, um, the pandemic, the hurricanes going on right now. Um, and on top of that, people having to make decisions about sending their kids back to school and all that. What advice do you have for folks as it relates to how you can stay sane, uh, if I can use that word uh, there, how, how to maintain your mental health uh, and your physical health during this time so that it's not overwhelming. What advice do you have in that regard? Mm, um, uh, my advice is that <laughs> things are not going to go back to normal and like you should be getting used to that. Um, mm. And that's okay because your normal was the, um, the oppression of other unit, yeah, communities. And you're referring to the social, the social unrest social part, unrest. Right? Okay. Yeah, okay. The social unrest. Mm -hmm. um, so your normal was the oppression and the everyday um, systemic injustices um, for other communities. So mm -hmm. your normal is not, is not good and shouldn't go back. Um, you should be questioning the spaces and you should be questioning your friends and your circles. 
and recognizing that there's a lot more room to grow and there's a lot room more to educate yourself on these things and like I think now that we're getting back to an actual routine and an actual schedule um, I don't want people to forget that and I don't want to forget it right because once like midterms come around I'm like uh, there's no room to like do advocacy or like do other things, but no, there is, there is. Um, what questions should people be, should, especially students, when you said we should be questioning our friends, we should be questioning our inner circles, we should be questioning the spaces that we're in, what kind of questions should we be asking? Give me, give me an example of the type of questions that we should be asking, especially yeah. as it relates to the, the inclusive inclusivity. Yeah. Um, question like if you are a like, for example, myself, like if I have all Hispanic friends, well, why do I have Hispanic friends? Mm-hmm. Why don't I have a black friend? Why don't I have an Asian friend? Why don't I have a white friend? Mm-hmm. Do I have inner prejudices? Do I have like things that I have to be working on? Mm-hmm. Um, so like making those like questions to yourself and being like, okay, why haven't I reached out to these circles? Or like, why haven't I connected with other people? Mm -hmm. Um, Also like questioning microaggressions and like all these like little things that just go over our radar sometimes. So yeah, like questioning your professors. Um, I know that's a really hard thing to do, Mm -hmm. but there's a way for you to be like, "Um, I was just wondering if we were gonna talk about like, if you have, any black authors in your syllabus and like if we could incorporate that somehow um there's really like polite polite ways to um and i do that in quotations um because i think professors should be receptive about these type of things but doing it respectfully and be like do is there any way that we can incorporate like more inclusive and diverse um curriculum into our everyday learning experiences mm-hmm. um i think that's a good challenge though like because as a professor myself last year when i was uh doing my uh interpreting black rage class i posted some of my course material online on my facebook page so that some of my friends could look at it and a lot of my friends uh were reaching out and saying hey i noticed you didn't have any black women authors uh in your initial conception of the course and i was like that wasn't intentional. I was like, but I can fix that. And I, uh, so what I did was I got uh, Black Rage uh, by Greer and Cobbs written, the book was written in 1967 and 68. And then I got um, Eloquent Rage, which comes out what was 50 years later by Dr. Brittany Cooper. Um, And I was like, problem solved because that book was my students responded very well to that text and then I incorporated additional text from a plethora of um, black authors because the course was about interpreting black rage and so I incorporated uh, James Baldwin, uh, Zora Neale Hurston, we did some poems from Nikki Giovanni uh, and a bunch of other different things but it was the students and some of my colleagues that helped me to actually say hey you may you know if you're going to talk about this topic you do know that there's a range of experiences that you need to be thinking from and so uh, I grew as an instructor because I was open uh, to that feedback. And so thank you for uh, putting that part in there because I do think that the student voice is so important. I mean, this is proven with those uh, eight demands uh, for, you know, for transformative change that you all came up with. I think that that um, w- was birthed out of a similar energy. And so thank you for uh, putting that out there. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that part? Um. Um, no, and just for like your mental and physical health, like 
to yeah. meet yourself, like just know when you are feeling how you're feeling. And that's really like easier said than done, right? Um, Especially as a college student, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, for example, I journal. Um, I journal my feelings and I don't do it every day, but whenever things get a little bit too intense, um, mm-hmm. I just let them all out. And having that support system is really important. And if you don't have that support system, um, that's okay. Um, finding ways for you to visit campus resources, CMHC, Central, um, yeah, CMHC, sorry, I forgot. And a, these, and a lot of these campus resources are operating virtually too. Want to put that plug in there, like, because I know, because we keep saying campus resources, that's okay, that, like, that is still available to you students. They, they, a lot of these resources are operating virtually, so don't yep. forget that. Um, and for physical health, um, you know, TikTok has a lot of dances. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So you tell so so what you're saying is, you know, for you know, professors and leaders and administrators, we need to be getting on TikTok now. Is that what you're saying? Hey, um, <laughs> it was it was going to be banned for a reason, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I tried TikTok and you know, I, I downloaded it once and I was like, I don't know what this is. And then I got off and then I got back on one time and then I went, I can't do it. <laughs> it's just, it was just, it's so much. I'm like, you all can have that. Your, your generation, y'all can have that. Cause y'all, y'all got this. TikTok belongs to you. You know, we, Facebook at one point was just for college students. And then one day I get a Facebook request from my mom and I'm like, yep, this is over. And so a lot of students don't, <laughs> a lot of students don't really get on Facebook as much. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Suzette, thank you so much for coming and joining the show today. I really, really, really appreciated having you. Um, any parting words for the audience that you want to say? Um, yeah, please join the Center of College Council. We are recruiting people and new members, and we have an event next Friday, um, which is called oh, Teaching. Okay. Yeah, Friday at 3 p.m. We have a teaching called Dismantling the Good Immigrant Narrative. It's going to be hosted by Dr. Antonio Vasquez from the MALS department. Mm-hmm. Um, so please What's t- tell, tell, tell the new people yeah. what MALS is. Yeah, it's Mexican American Latino Studies. Um, so please join and MEC, the Multi- Multicultural Engagement Center, is having their first week of events this week and next week. So check them out and go to all their events because that's how, you know, us, we get connected on campus. Of course, of course. All right, folks, with that, thank you, Suseth, for joining us today. And everybody listening, wherever you are, please get involved, stay active. And if you've got questions about anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, I can be reached at bjones at austin.utexas.edu. Take care, folks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To catch the next installment, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. We'll see you next time.